This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined today by our good friend Paul Hodawanik. Uh, we talked about you know where the Vikings stand in in the NFC, and I think we both kind of agree that like yes, they, they, there is a pathway for them to be the two seed. Might have the inside track. But, Paul, we are starting to see injuries finally catch up to this team. They were so, so fortunate for so, so long throughout this season. And when, when it comes to impact, I think there are worse players that could have gotten hurt for, for this team. But Herb Smith, tight end, out for, for the next few weeks. Um, it's like a high ankle sprain. And Dalvin Tomlinson, he is week to week as well uh, with a calf injury. Is that a big deal? Um, I ask that knowing you never want to be injured as a football team. You obviously want to be at full strength at all times, which the Vikings have been throughout this season to this point. But is it a huge deal that that the Vikings will be without Irv Smith moving forward? And it sounds like without Dalvin Smith, at least for a, for a couple of games here in the immediate future. I mean, it means something for sure. I think if you were going to pick like no offense to those two positions, but if you were going to pick positions that the Vikings could sustain injuries on other than maybe running back where you feel like you have a stable of guys there, like tight end Irv has been kind of a a nice piece for cousins to use on third down, but he really hasn't been a feature point of the offense. And other than kind of the the big drop pass by Johnny Munt on that third down where he was wide (laughs) open and he dropped a pass, like Munt has been serviceable enough in that role to where I think you feel okay about kind of, formulating kind of manufacturing Irv Smith's value with a Johnny Munt and maybe bringing in CJ Ham a little bit more when you need to block and he can be a receiving option too. Like I think you can manufacture a little bit of what Irv does. And then on the defensive side with Dalvin Tomlinson, again, not a player you would like to lose. Obviously they, that was like a, a big kind of spend for them to get in at one point. Um, but again, an interior defensive lineman where you have a couple guys that have at least played that are behind him. I think, Again, that's an area where you're okay to have lost that guy. So I think it matters in the sense that the Vikings have kind of straddled a a fine line despite being the healthiest team in the NFL. According to PFF's war metric, wins above replacement metric, they measure each week like how much wins above replacement you've lost due to injury heading into that week. Last week, heading into this game after the bye, the Vikings had lost the lowest value of wins above replacement. So just think like the lowest value is sitting on your bench. Um, like every other team is dealing with more than the Vikings are dealing with. Now that'll spike a little bit without Irv, without Dalvin, but coming into this week, that's where they were. And they were always kind of one, two, three, even when Harrison Smith was out or Andrew Booth was out or someone like that, they were always still way, way low on that metric. And so now that brings them probably still pretty low on that metric. Um, but What really will be the test is if they lose a wide receiver or they lose a cornerback, one of these positions that both are more important positional value wise, but also just thinner. Uh, Because if you lose even like, let's not even go to the scenario where you lose Justin Jefferson, because then your whole offense falls apart. But even if you lose a KJ Osborne or an Adam Thielen, you're moving down the depth chart to guys that really aren't threats whatsoever. Um, And it probably is why, again, people might already hear about a move here after, but it's why you'd push for a move to wide receiver or push for a move to cornerback in a trade. Because again, you lose Pat Pete or you lose Cameron Dantzler, that seemingly already kind of taped together secondary is injecting Chris Boyd or an injured 
like in injury prone Andrew Booth or a just like not exactly the guys uh, you want to be putting in there. And so I think they can handle these. And with Washington coming up, I think they can beat the Washington without those players. Uh, but the test will be you're inevitably going to lose someone of a bigger, like of more importance than one of these guys, one of the edge rushers or Eric Kendricks or just one of these guys are bound to miss a game or two. That's just how football works. And so when those things start to happen, that'll be when I'm really interested because right now uh, these injuries obviously don't help. But if you were going to pick a spot to lose guys, I think these are ones where they can sustain. It's just, can they sustain if someone else goes down? Yeah. And I I think it is a good reminder that like the Vikings were not going to be the healthiest team of all time throughout this whole season. Yes. They've gotten, extremely lucky to this point there is probably something to be said about the sport science side of it um don't want to don't want to downplay that too much but i think a lot of this comes down to just luck and sometimes injuries happen sometimes they don't they are starting to happen and i think if you're the vikings you have to kind of enter again we're recording this on tuesday morning but you have to enter this deadline assuming that something else could happen down the road because you're not just going to stay healthy the the, the rest of the season um it would be a little bit irrational to, to believe that I think a little bit irresponsible to believe that as a front office with the Vikings playing, I would, I'll say as well as they have to this point, but I guess in, in, in the record wise, like with where they stand at six and one, um, you have to kind of plan for contingencies um, beyond kind of your starters and in your, your first immediate backups. I think it's a good point about the positions that you're losing though. Like, tight end like yes like that that plays a a decent role in in this offense but I think there are avenues like you said with Johnny Munt and he's been serviceable and and, and maybe you work to get the ball to KJ Osborne now a little bit more and I know it was a different offense but when Irv Smith missed last year that you saw KJ Osborne really kind of step up and become that that third pass catcher Um, so I think while you never want to lose a guy like Irv Smith because he has been dynamic at times this year. Um, It's something that you can kind of stomach with, with, with playmakers across the board. Same goes with Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, And I guess that kind of leads into our next guy, like Zary Smith, like when he went down on Sunday, I think that is that, that was an injury that you're looking at. Like this could tank a lot of things because he has been absurdly good this year. Um, Someone who I I really didn't think was, had this in him. And you look at a guy like Daniel Hunter, like, I thought that was how Zadarius Smith was going to look this year. Daniel Hunter looks like a shell of himself, still impactful at times, but like not the same player that we grew to know over the course of his first four or five seasons in the NFL. Not not the case for Zadarius Smith. He looks just as dominant as he ever has. I think he's tied for first in, in the league at eight and a half sacks. Um, just dominated the game on Sunday against the Cardinals. That that's that's the type of injury that that could really hurt, um, you know, that injury uh, of a player of that stature. But what have you made of Zadarius Smith's game to this point? Aside from the fact that he's just been wholly dominant, um, has he surprised you with with, I guess, his durability, his ability to kind of battle through? But I guess more so with his production at this point in in his career, coming off a, a serious back injury last year. Yeah, the back's not anything to mess with when we talk about injuries, especially one at a position where you're bending, you're twisting, you're doing a lot of things that involve 
that back, if it's even just a little bit stiff, that, that takes away from your effectiveness. And it's a scary injury that you feel like might linger. So for him to be fourth in the NFL in pressures, according to PFF, only behind Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and Matthew Judon, like that's some company to keep right below you is Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, Rashawn Gary. Like that is upper, upper echelon, right? He's right in there and at least tied for sacks. PFF has um, Matthew Junon at nine, Zadarius at eight. So however, somehow those get can't called a little bit weirder, but still right up in the top with sacks as well. He's consistently getting to the passer. He's sacking the passer almost better than anyone else. And so did I think we were getting top five defensive end in the leagues at area Smith? No, I, I didn't think that was what was coming to the Vikings. And I don't think that's what the league thought was coming to the Vikings. Cause if they did, he'd be getting a bigger contract. The Ravens would have figured out how to keep him on the team, whether that was a weird failed physical or something Zedarius pulled out of But either way. The Ravens just made a big trade for Roquan Smith. Like they're adding players to their defense. Cause they want that defense to get better. They would love a Zedarius Smith on their team right now. And the way the contract was structured, clearly the NFL was worried about him getting injured with the way that it really felt more like a one, two year deal than like the longer three year deal that they gave him. Mm -hmm. And so again, we're only eight games into the season. He could get hurt next week. And if you said he only played eight games for a season, like then that probably kind of looks what people have expected. So he's been healthy thus far. I've been relatively surprised. It's a pleasant surprise that he hasn't, gone through anything and same with Daniil, even though he hasn't played super well, he hasn't been hurt either. Um, and you'd rather have him out on the field than DJ Wanham or one of the other guys, even in his kind of reduced form, because you think he can get back to where he was, or at least improve a little bit on where he's been. So yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect top five productions at area Smith. And I didn't expect coming into the season, he would play every game. I thought maybe even there'd be a rest game or two in there just based on how he looked, but he looks like primes at area Smith. And it's one of the big reasons why this bend don't break defense has at least held up in some respects, at least in points allowed. They're continuing to be about an average team despite giving up one of the most, the most, one of the most yards uh, per game of any defense. Zedarius is a big part of that. And so I have been shocked. I'm continuing to be cautiously optimistic about his health moving forward, but with an injury like that, I don't feel like we can fully move on and say he's fully healthy. We don't feel like, or at least not fully, like not going to be an injury risk moving forward. I think with his age combined with that injury, it always has to be a tentative, cautious approach you take. And so every time he goes down, it's going to be kind of holding your breath for a second. Um, But he's gotten up from every one of those at this point. And so uh, the Vikings just have to ride it as long as they can and hope it continues for a full season. Yeah, and backs like you said, like are are such a an iffy part of the body that that to be plagued by, right? Like it it can pop up seemingly out of nowhere, and if it does, it can linger for obviously the duration of a season. It's why Zadarius Smith only played one game last year. So I, I think it's when you look at a guy like that and you look at the, the way the defensive has played, like you alluded to, like he has covered up for certain warts that this team has had. And and the defense still has many warts that we, that we talk a lot about, but he is a guy who can kind of bandaid issues uh, on, on a very micro level. Like you, you saw the game 
you know, this past Sunday as, as a perfect example of that. Like Kyler Murray was still torching the Vikings at times. <clears throat> Arizona couldn't stay out of their own way. But when the Vikings needed a play late in the game, it was Darius Smith who came through and got the sack. So I think that kind of like hinges back to, to the, the trade deadline argument. And Paul, I, I talked to you before the show. I don't want to get too much into this because it can all change. Like we, this, this podcast could go, we're recording right now at nine o'clock on, on a Tuesday morning. It could go live at 1030 on Tuesday morning and the Vikings could make a huge trade at noon. So we won't talk about like who we think would be a good fit. Um, but I am curious, what do you think? Like, because we talked about receiver, how the contingency plan might be worth it there. Corner, a contingency plan might be worth it there. I look at pass rush too, though, because I know Patrick Jones has been pretty good in this rotational role. But if Sedarius Smith goes down and you only have Daniel Hunter, who looks like 70% of his old self, maybe 60% of his old self, and then you thrust a guy like Patrick Jones into that that role to, to kind of play opposite, I think there's going to be problems there. So like between those three positions, like what would you prioritize as a GM? And, and we, we, I asked that knowing this could all change in, in, in an hour or two. Yeah. My first spot I would go is wide receiver, frankly. Uh, just more often than not, especially in the playoffs, good offense is going to beat good defense. Uh, it, you see it with the chiefs last year. You see it with the bills last year. If you have a dominant, offense it really doesn't matter how good the defense is going to be they're going to find holes for it and so for me I look and see the production that they've gotten outside of Justin Jefferson has been lacking and underwhelming to say the least I think Adam Thielen while continuing to be a strong red zone target for Kirk Cousins just isn't generating the separation and doesn't have the speed that he once did that doesn't mean he still can't be a valuable piece but he feels more like on a really good team he's your third option and so they can go and add a wide receiver both that helps them this year and also can help them down the line that's my number one focus because year to year offense is more stable than defense if you can get kind of a piece you feel good now and long term at least for the next couple years to add to that wide receiver room I think that's the spot you have to go um but I certainly think cornerback and edge are right there next to him and it's no coincidence. Those, when you look from a draft perspective, when we talk about the draft and you talk about positional value, those are, other than quarterback, kind of the three most important positions that people are looking for. It's a skilled wide receiver. It's an edge that can get off and rush the passer. And it's a cornerback that can shut some things down. And so it's still where the Vikings need players. And it's why it was kind of questionable or it has been questionable in the past when they draft a safety in the first round and they don't go and try to get one of those really big premium position players. But I think it's smart at this point for the Vikings to push it all in. I have been consistently a, a kind of a proponent of maybe you should rebuild this thing because what kind of peak can this team achieve? And I don't think I ever envisioned like the NFC to look as down as it did or as it has been this year. And so it's, if not this year, when are you going to do it? When the Eagles are really the only path in your way. And if they get injured, like something happens, you're then right there in Super Bowl contention. Like these opportunities don't come up that often. They sure as hell don't happen when all these other teams seem to fall off. Like this is an anomaly of a year and better Vikings teams may not have gone six and one through this stretch. And so they have done that. They have the weak NFC. So 
regardless of what position it is, I feel like this is why you kind of stay in the mix. This is why you do this competitive rebuild, because if it goes this way and things are happening in the NFC like this, you have enough kind of flexibility, capability to push the chips in the table. And there's always going to be now every year after this, after the Rams win, there's always going to win the Super Bowl and do it kind of pushing all the chips in. There's always going to be two or three teams that are pushing everything in. The Eagles are pushing everything in. They got uh, in the off season, they go get AJ Brown. They just got Robert Quinn. Like they are pushing their chips in the table and saying, this is when we're going for it. The bills have done similarly. The dolphins are trying to do it. The Ravens are trading a bunch of pieces. Like, if you don't make moves, other teams are going to pass you with how aggressive they're being. And so because this year is one that they can take advantage of, it feels like if they don't make a move, they're not staying stagnant. They're actually falling back because other teams are going to make moves. The 49ers go out and get Christian McCaffrey. Like by standing pat, you're not standing pat. You're falling back. And so they, if they really believe they can go and chase a Super Bowl this year, which at 6-1 and one, you kind of have to, they need to be one of these teams looking to push forward and make a trade, sign OBJ, do something um, to really try to affect the math of this thing and really try to switch some things in their favor heading into this home stretch. No, I think that's a tremendous point. And I, I want to dig more into that when uh, when we come back. Um, we'll break real quick and then kind of dig into the the idea of like the NFL is a poker game. Is it good to push all in? More on that uh, when we come back.